Herb Alpert and the team of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, distributor to NBC's Hardball Talk, appears in a weekly podcast, Gleeman and the Geek, and is a noted recluse of the upper Midwest. It is Aaron Gleeman. Aaron Gleeman is the guest in this edition of Fangraphs Audio. The listeners should note that Gleeman does not provide much in the way of baseball analysis in what follows. What he does analyze, for example, uh, is his inability to participate fully in the human adventure. There are people on my floor, like, who are clearly have become friends with each other. And you can, like, hear them having conversations and asking about their, their lives and stuff. And I just think, like, how did that happen? How did they become friends? And, like, I'm probably just, like, uh, the guy with the beard down the hall who doesn't say anything to them. Comments like that. And also that exact comment to follow in my conversation with Aaron Gleeman. It follows almost immediately. What follows even more immediately is a word from the sponsor. The sponsor is Draft and the Draft app. In every recent edition of Fangraphs Audio, I have both explained what Draft is and also described at some length how to acquire it. I will not do that for this particular edition of the sponsor's message. What I will say is that you should download it, and that when you do download it and participate in it, you help in a way that I admit I don't entirely understand, but you do help Fangraphs Audio. So if you care for the program and you want to help it financially in a sort of nebulous way, then please, if you have the iOS operating system, go to the App Store. If you have the Android operating system, go to Google Play or something like Google Play, download Draft, and begin playing draft and simultaneously benefiting from the endorphins that are produced by charitable acts that is the sponsor's message this week and it is over and what is now beginning is a conversation with aaron gleeman what it is it is fangraphs audio featuring hardball talks aaron gleeman and when does it begin right now that don't show up on my phone. Do you know anything about that? Well, what kind of phone do you have? I got a Galaxy 4, S4. She, and, but she has some sort of um, iPhone. Yeah, well, why don't you get like a real phone that you well, can see stuff on? I don't know. What it, well, why is it not appearing? Because uh, people with iPhones are better. We communicate on a higher level. I is that think. right? Are you, yeah. a, are, you a, are, you, would, are you one of these uh, Steve Jobs acolytes? Are you an acolyte of Steve Jobs? No, I was like, well, I was going to say I was one of the last people to get one, but you're way, way past that point. But I, I only got one like a year and a half ago. Yeah, but I have a – this is not – listen, let me be clear. This is not a – I don't want to have one of these silly conversations about technology, okay? Oh, okay. We're going to have a real conversation yeah. about technology. <laughs> okay. Okay? I'll tell you why I got this phone because it is a fine phone. Yeah. And it was also free when I got it as part of my contract. This, to me, seems like a perfectly reasonable uh, sort of line of, of decision-making. Yeah, well, that's – I got a – I used to have a BlackBerry from NBC, and I – you know, like Obama and I were the last two people, I think, to have a BlackBerry. Yeah. And I just could not take the insults and criticism from everyone I saw who would say, wait, is that a BlackBerry? So I finally decided – Free isn't always the best, but, you know, I'm not one to speak on your situation, but. Would you, now, would you characterize on an, indi- on an individual level, would you characterize 
what these uh, friends were doing as as uh, light ribbing? Well, not even light. I would not say light at all. Really? These were, these were mean-spirited, but there may have been a shred of we want to help him kind of get modern and not be old man with a Blackberry. Yeah, did Maybe. you ever try and say something like, there are do you like do you know do you guys know how widespread poverty is? Yeah, it's, the problem is though uh when a when a Jewish guy's telling you how he has a crappy phone cuz it's free yeah. and then he starts really putting up a fight with hey, well, I mean it is free. It really plays yeah. into a lot of stereotypes that you want to try to avoid, even yeah. if it's true. Even if they're true. Do you think that as a as a Jewish person in uh the upper middle west? Yes. Do you think that you are forced sometimes because it doesn't have it doesn't have high Jewish population as other places? Um, it's not like you're walking around, you know, you, you you you're not like someone who's walking around in full regalia, full Jewish regalia. No. Right? Like it's no. not like Williamsburg. Or, no, I try know. to blend. I try to blend in. Yeah, I think you've done a good job. <laughs> but my point is, do you do you sometimes feel as though you have to take extra steps to avoid? Um, Playing into stereotypes, whereas maybe if you were living in a, you know, like a coastal city, you wouldn't have to? Yeah, although I think, like, Minnesota is so unaware. It's almost like a lot of Minnesotans, I think, are unaware of stereotypes even. Like, they're so far removed from thinking about day-to-day Jewish people uh-huh. that, like, they don't even know. Yeah. There's so many stereotypes, but they only know, like, a couple. They know, like, the greatest hits. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know the deep cuts. Or maybe they've extracted all their stereotypes about Jewish people just from knowing you. Yes. Well, because, I mean, no one will uh, mock Jewish people more than Jewish people. And so right. I do think a, a good amount of the general knowledge of Judaism in, let's say, the Minneapolis area is due to me making fun of Jewish people around non-Jews. Right, right. And maybe they might they might come to conclusions such as, well, you know, Jewish people, they're all they're all web loggers. They're all yeah. baseball web loggers. Yeah, like at least like two thirds of all Jews write about baseball, probably. Yeah. I mean, just look at the facts. Well, that's not that far off. <laughs> Is that a no comment from you? The uh, no, I don't think it's true, but um, I, that's not a stereotype of which I'm aware. I'm aware of Jewish right. people in media as a as an overarching stereotype. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you. Okay, so that's the thing. We just that was a brief technology thing. I want to tell you another thing about um, right now, and I want to ask you questions because I like to. You're you're a man of the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I uh, I recently, for the first time ever, ordered uh, ordered a garment online. I ordered a, a garment online, and it has just arrived. Um, my wife and I, we live on like a, a like a, a boarding school campus, so it's arrived at like the, the, the whatever facilities or whatever where my wife will pick it up. I ordered a pair of jeans from Bonobos. Are you familiar with with what any of that means? I'm vaguely familiar with Bonobos. Yeah, I don't know why or how, but yes. I don't I don't entirely understand it. I just know that I was looking for jeans that were not made by. Um, poor children in a foreign country. Right. And also were not more than $100. And yeah. that's very hard to do, it turns out. Yeah. That's, uh, I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank. Have you, are you familiar with that show? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and a lot of the businesses are 
and I don't even mean this in, as a criticism necessarily, but there a lot of businesses are being pitched to the sharks by, let's say, 25 to 35-year-old white couples, and a lot of them are, we're going to make goods, usually clothing, that is not appreciably better than anything else out there, but it is, it'll make you feel better, uh, about owning it just yeah. because of how we made it. And then the price is always eh, double what a normal price would be. That's, yeah. And I'm telling you, I was, uh, I've done some, I've done some, um, exploratory Googling, searching, looking yeah, for made, uh, you know, uh, jeans made in the United States. And I'm coming across jeans, uh, dungarees. That are in over two hundred dollars, and this does not fit my budget. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah. I'm a Le- I'm a Levi's man myself. Okay, well, so you know, Levi's really, obviously used to be made, but now they got they got the plants that burn down sometimes. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So you got so no. Listen, I got no problem with people doing the other thing. I just happened to watch whatever the episode of last week tonight was, in which they explored this thing, and it uh, stuck in my craw, gleaming. <laughs> Yeah, that does that does happen. Like I'm able to like I don't know compartmentalize a lot of this stuff, but it, that does happen. Like when I I'll watch like some four minute clip of something, and then I'll just be like, oh, I got to change my life. Yeah, good change. Yeah, and then you know it it passes. But it does yeah, pass, it, sure. Yeah, yeah. You ever gotten anything stuck? You get you do get something stuck in your craw occasionally. Yeah, but then the thing is, if you get enough stuff stuck in there, there's only room for a certain amount of stuff, and then other stuff just kind of passes through. Then at that point. Because yeah. there's no there's nowhere for it to get stuck. Yeah. Well, you you're the number one resource on Cross. It would appear to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I want to say is I have this pair of jeans. I've never ordered a pair of jeans or a pair of any sort of garment on the internet, and I'm quite concerned. Well, it, there's a great deal of anticipation. I've, first of all, you see the photos, uh, see images of the product online, um, but you don't know what that means. And then alternatively. I don't understand how sizing works. I just ordered a pair of jeans that was the same size as the ones I'm currently wearing. That yeah, seemed to be the best way. I, I'm a – we are very skinny gentlemen, uh, so I think it would be easier. I was formerly fat, then got very skinny, and now I'm uh, edging towards fat again. So it's harder <laughs> – I think it's easier to order shirts online and harder to uh, order pants online because – Oh, yeah. You can't – there's no like uh I guess it's people complain about this with shoes sometimes too. There's no like okay, I'm this size with this brand. I can uh feel good ordering the same size. No, it's uh way way off and then you're just left being like, "Wow, I'm way too fat for these jeans." And then you're just sad about that. Doesn't uh, doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good. But I feel like you're pretty safe, right? You're just like uh Yeah, but it know. doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean like <clears throat> It's still gonna fit. It could still fit weird, you know, because right. you got uh, sometimes like a, you have like a boot cut. Have you ever worn a boot cut jean? It's sure. all it's very quite baggy in the in the foot area, and then um, um, and then even sometimes a straight cut. It looks silly on me, right? It looks like uh, there, there are a lot of different sorts, a lot of different cuts. Which at least on my body, it appears as though I'm wearing some manner of bell bottom, <laughs> but I don't want to <laughs> do that. You strike me as a, uh, a skinny jeans wearer. Is that not the case? Uh, at a certain time, I like a slim fit. Right. Okay, but I do not want like a. Uh, I don't want a skin tight because I'm a 36 year old person, Aaron. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're in your, if you're in your the second half of your 30s, people people don't want to see that. 
It doesn't, um, it does not matter. It does not matter for just like a middle class white guy who's in his late thirties to, it doesn't, no one needs him to be fashionable. That's you true. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't really matter. I'm married. I'm not uh, looking for a new spouse. I might be soon. Uh, but I'm not right now. Yeah, but do you, like depending on, let's say you did, you get a, a brand new pair of uh, $800 bonobo skinny jeans and you wore them. Yeah. What are the odds your wife would like look at them for the first time and be like, "Wow, you you look great, Carson." Like, is that a thing that would ever happen? Yeah, but I don't know what the benefits of that would be. I mean, <laughs> there are times when I try, or she has like maybe she has purchased for me. An article of clothing. And this happened a little bit. I don't know if you remember how my, um, on account of I'm sophisticated, I lived in Europe for some time. Yes, I do, yeah. Yeah, well that's part of, part of being sophisticated is at least spending some time in Europe. I mean, who wouldn't? But, um, I was there and, uh, my wife was, the, so the ways that I look, the way that I look, um, wh- which was fine, in the United States, embarrassed my wife when we were in Paris. <laughs> okay. And so she was like, we have to, you know, we have to go get you clothes. And um, so we would go to H&M, for example, whose clothes, by the way, are definitely made by tiny foreign children. There's there's kind of no room for a conversation about that. Yeah, and I, there was a, uh, at my very skinniest, I was feeling good wearing medium shirts everywhere. And I went into an H&M and I bought like a couple of large shirts and then I, Tried them on and they didn't fit, and I declared that H and M is not a place that anyone should go. Really, <laughs> just because, like, even when you're feeling very good about your, uh, you know, body image, and you go in there and you order a size up, you still walk out of there being like, "Yeah, I shouldn't have eaten that big lunch." Like, it, they're really testing. <laughs> Should have eaten that big lunch. There's never anything good happening in response to that sentence. Like if you're uttering that sentence or thinking it in your head, something something um, disappointing is going on around you. This is, uh, it is a real danger of being a work from home baseball blogger is mm-hmm. the big lunch. Should because, have eaten that big lunch. Yeah, the the draw of a ooh, I got something I can cook up here. You mm-hmm. know, I'll maybe take a, a forty minute break and I'll actually have a good meal, and then ten minutes later you're like, I got an either nap or yeah. something needs to go on here. And then you're just distracted, you know, from writing your posts about uh, Justin Upton all day. Yeah. Or Craig Calcaterra's got to do it. Yeah. I'm assuming he skipped. I, I don't. I feel like he's, uh, as a skinny gentleman, he's probably not doing too many big lunches at this point. That might be the key to his success as a blogger, actually. Not is avoiding the big lunch? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, You so you, li- you don't mind a, a big midday meal, huh? I mean, I like all big meals at this point, but yeah, it is, uh, I either, my thing is I either skip lunch completely mm-hmm. and not eat breakfast or lunch, or I just eat an absurd amount of food at 1230. You go, then, you go after, you go, so yeah. you go hard or not at all, it sounds like. Yeah, cause isn't that, that's a great thing to do in terms of just being healthy is yeah, either good. not, not eat or just gorge on, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. That's right at the top of the doctor's manual. Yeah. Um, wait, so, so, I, I know that you've that you've uh, changed sizes a number of times. Was yes. there a day that you just decided? Because you were having at some point, you were having, I believe, the same food for like all three meals. That's true. Yeah. You know, it was some sort of was it a quinoa or rice or something. Yeah, it was like a big rice and concoction that I'd make a you know huge amount of and then uh, split it up throughout the week. Yeah, and was there just a day? Was there just a day when you decided 
this is the this is not happening anymore. Going the other direction again. Yeah, because I think at some point, uh, I mean, it, it served its purpose in that I lost a whole bunch of weight, and I I like it. I'll I'll basically eat anything with rice. I just like rice. But at some point, then you realize, okay, you're going to be going to restaurants at some point in the rest of your life, so you have to kind of uh, wean off of this same thing every day, and you have to kind of get yourself back to uh, normal society in terms of eating. But. Yeah. So I want to say my wife makes a dish. Uh, it's like a rice and bean bowl with avocados in it. You, how do you feel about an avocado? I uh, Very controversial. Uh, oh. not, I don't understand avocado, guacamole. It does nothing for me. Really? I don't understand that. And people are so passionate about how great they are. Ah uh, yeah, well it's nice because it's like a because it's like a fatty thing, but it's not it's not bad for you, which is a nice com- combo package. But you get that, and then I will sometimes put some yogurt on it, or you could put sour cream if you were so inclined. And uh, that I really like that. I know I think here's another reason why I why I've liked avocado is because I'm not uh, particularly good at preparing foods, and an avocado you just split that in half. You just use a spoon to scoop out, and you pair that with some bread, and that's like a nice. That could be a good lunch. I know maybe not for you because you don't you seem to you know you don't go the, the middle way. It sounds like. No, but that's a sensible. That's a. I, you know what? That's an adult male <laughs> with a good head on his shoulders. That's what he he eats for lunch. I think. But it's a nice. But my point is, it's very easy. Uh, I think a lot of my diet choices are made are just a product of sloth. Oh, yeah. My, that's my, 100%. The, I mean, uh, I got thrown off track from the uh, weight loss thing. I tore my ACL, like, I don't know, two years ago or something. Yeah. Or a year and a half ago, and then I just did absolutely nothing about it, which is they also something I think they recommend, a lot oh, of doctors. Oh, yeah, yeah, tore ACL. And if I don't, uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly, you also broke your car? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a little before that. Similar time frame, though, yeah. And also, I would say similar sort of thing at work, similar mechanism at work. Uh, by by what you mean, uh, stupidity? Stupidity, and I would say something like negligence beyond. Yeah, that. yeah, and then followed by laziness. Right, also. right. Yeah, and so then uh, no ACL, you don't work out for a little bit. You don't work out for a little bit, then you start to say, oh, I could just get food delivered for a while and start to eat that, and then you know. Then you're back to having big lunches and taking naps in the middle of the day. You do lap, you know, well, that's, a, I mean, speaking of sophisticated behavior, nap in the middle of the day, that's practiced all over Europe, isn't it? There's no, I mean, there's nothing better, in my opinion, but, yeah. I don't, you know, it's, uh, some employers frown upon that. Mm-hmm. What does Calcaterra think about it? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. He seems to be more of a, he likes to like leave the house and like go get a cup of coffee or like a, a, you know, go shopping for a half hour. Whereas I would not leave the house and just take that time and just sleep. I think, uh, in the middle of the day. That's, those are probably the, the biggest differences between us. Yeah. He likes to stay active. It's funny. Yeah. You know, these Italian Americans, I don't know about them. <laughs> cause you got, uh, cause you know, Italy, you go there in, and historically, you got people who uh, they, they have their finger on the pulse of of leisure, you know, and uh, they know about taking a nap in the middle of the day. And uh, but then you got these Italian Americans, and they got all this ambition, you know, and uh, the energy. And uh, I don't know, it's very disorienting. Of course, I'm I'm an Italian American myself, 
And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Should I, you know, is it should I be more Italian? But but or do am I looking around at the people who, uh, you know, in my family or whatever? They all got energy. They're all <laughs> looking to do things. <laughs> oh, disgusting. Yeah, I'm so. I know it's terrible. Yeah, but they have ambition. I guess it's part of it, right? You leave your, you leave everything you know. You go to a different country. I mean, why are you doing that? First place, you're looking for opportunities, right? Because you, uh, you know, there's only so many baskets that can be weaved back in Puglia, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, isn't that, that's the struggle? I, I always is like, okay, we're in this new place. What do we hang on to, and what do we kind of? throw aside to take on, you know, Americanized ways. But if I were to give advice, hang on to that napping. That's that's a big one. Yeah, I mean, that's a But they don't. Yeah, I don't not I I would have I would have liked to see the napping tendencies preserved as well. well mostly it was just the guilt that was preserved yeah. and a lot of hugging. Which I like hugging. Yeah, that's a hugging a, fa- a hugging it is in particular between men, I mean. Like I feel as though my uh, like my grandfather, we hug a lot. You know, when I see him, we hug, we embrace, like we'll stand with our arms around each other. That's uh, do do um Italian people do the double cheek kiss thing too, or is that other parts of Europe? I think well, certainly France, they uh, it's called f- uh, faire la bise to do the kiss. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, they definitely do that in France. I don't think they do it in Italy as much, although they're kissing. They're always kissing. Yeah, I don't think I could handle that. Well, uh, less of that in in Minnesota. It's not exactly. It's not part of the Lutheran tradition, is it? No. Like I, I get, I get, uh, like worried about how a handshake is gonna go. So like the idea of yeah, a full on embrace or a kiss, I, I couldn't do it. What do you think? Uh, do you think that in some cases, do you think that just no? We talked about your your own uh, sort of uh, cultural. Uh, you know, um, influences as a as a as a Jewish person in the Middle West. But do you think that uh, it, it's hard not to become at, like at some level like an um, an honorary Lutheran just by just by living and growing up in the Twin Cities? Yeah, I think um, we're de- I don't know. It's a weird mix because like Minnesota prides itself on this notion of Minnesota nice. Which, yeah, but really, it's just sort of. Passive aggressive, or like hiding, just basically holding things in. Minnesota not, polite, maybe Minnesota polite. Yeah, but there's still like a then there's like a resentment and an anger boiling. Yeah, uh, and then I know there's been a lot of articles uh, recently here, like about uh, immigrants who come over or just uh, minorities who are even born here and just their experience with the notion of Minnesota nice, and it's mostly from their point of view, it's kind of just like no, that's not really a thing. People, they're, they're not all that welcoming or helpful or anything. They're just kind of standoffish. Yeah. They don't like. They're not aggressively negative towards you, but it's just sort of. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's mostly kind of BS. But I would love to. I would love to be in uh, a sort of person who's very warm and uh, with you know with meeting new people. I felt as though uh, I felt to have like a magnetic personality. You know, where um, so, uh, you know someone moved next door. I would go over and say, welcome to the neighborhood, this kind of thing. Yeah. And to, you know, bring them, uh, you know, some of the, uh, I don't know, what am I going, what am, what I have limes? Do I have, I have a lime tree? Or like, bring, a, you know, a casserole, maybe? Yeah, right, sure. That, yeah, it's regionally specific, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah, I would love to be that. But I just, 
um, just not, just not that warm. Would yeah, like to be more warm. I, uh, I lived in the suburbs of, or a suburb of Minneapolis for like eight years in a, in a townhouse where you rarely interacted with anybody. Yeah. And then three years ago, I moved to this actual Minneapolis to an apartment. And initially I was like, I'm going to be outgoing. When I see somebody in the hallway, I'm going to yeah. talk to them every time. And that lasted maybe a month or two. And now I'm back to, if I get in the elevator and there's somebody else in there, I will stare at my shoes the whole time. Yeah. Like I'm just so, and even there are people on my floor, like who are clearly have become friends with each other. And you can like hear them having conversations and asking about their, their lives and stuff. And I just think like, how, how did that happen? How did they become friends? And like I'm probably just like uh, the guy with the beard down the hall who doesn't say anything to them. That's that's what you are. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I just explained how that happened. Yeah, that's what, that's what you did. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was, that was easy. Well, th- th- what do you think it is though? Because I tell you, when I'm in that situation, I think I got a number of thoughts. Right, um, some of them are to protect my own self, and and some of them are because of, uh, it's a different sort of fear, right? Because the one one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to get involved in drama. You don't want to get involved in drama on your floor or your apartment building and your neighbors, right? You find out that they have a bad drug addiction or they got a brother who just got out of prison or something like that, you know? Or the kids got – their kids – something wrong with their kids are stealing a car. Uh, what is uh, – it's not really that important. But um, uh, but then, and then you don't want to get involved in that. I don't want to get involved in that. Um, and that's so that's one part. I don't want to get involved in other people, other dramas. But then on the other hand, I'm thinking, oh, uh, I would love to say hi. But what if they just like, what if they just look at me and they're like, who the who the f- are you talking to? <laughs> Why are you talking to me? Yeah, there's that's, a little. I, I have a little of that. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why do you think you should be talking to me? I, mean, I don't know. I just thought we were neighbors. No, shut up. Look at you. All yeah, right. my I think one of my fear with it is like. If I start down this road, then every time I see anyone mm-hmm. on my floor or in the elevator, then I have to do it. And that's, I think, what scares me. Because there's a lot of times where you're just like, I don't know, you're just trying to get to your car. Or you're just trying to, you know, go to the grocery store or something. And you're just like, yeah, everyone leave me alone. Whereas, like, if you catch, like, you know, one out of three times, I would love to have a, you know, some small talk with the person three doors down. But the other, you know large majority of the time i'm just like yeah let's just all kind of go on with our own business do you ever have a nagging suspicion gleeman that you are missing out on a on a important part of the human adventure yes yeah yeah that i mean it's uh, that's a perfect example it's like when i see you know the person across the the couple across the hall from me and the couple uh you know four doors down from me uh in the same six months i've been living near them uh, they've become, you know, good friends, uh, and I don't know any of their names. I couldn't tell you anything about them, and I think, yeah, they probably – it's a better human experience maybe to be – to make friends with people you randomly live with, but mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm capable of that. It seems like a lot of, like, energy, not physical energy, but just, like, mental – like, it seems draining to do that. Yeah, exhausting. Mentally exhausting. Yeah, but I think emotionally exhausting. But I think that's uh I don't know if it's uh, crazy or like, you know, psychopath behavior to think that way, but that's all I think. No, I see I see it. 
I see it because you say, well, because, you know, you're going to talk to them. They're going to be things they say you don't care for, you know. You say maybe they're like really into Dave Matthews band or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You just could be like, oh, now you're like, oh, Greg agreed to go to this dinner party. And now we're talking, this guy's got, what, he's been to, he, he's been to 50 Dave Matthews band shows. And now I'm talking about that, you know. But then you're at the same time. You know, at a certain point, I don't know if you've experienced this. I know for me, I, I think it, I think in some case I've, I have been ill served by my tastes or my, a demand I might place on other people to share the same tastes with me. Cause at a certain point, it's like, yeah, Dave Matthews band, who cares? Who cares if someone likes Dave Matthews band? It's not gonna, it's not gonna ruin my day. I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm having trouble. Cause, uh, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of worse things people can be than, you know, they like a band that happens to play uh, catchy tunes. If you know, maybe uh, you know, not particularly original. I feel bad because don't you think probably somebody from Dave Matthews Band will listen to this? No, like, not no, maybe no. not him, but somebody from the band. No, but I, yeah, but at the same time, I don't think it's I don't think it, it's not it's not the end of the world to hear someone doesn't share your tastes. That's true, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing is, like, from a small talk point of view, I'm too. I think self-conscious with it. So I'll think like, oh, the last time I was in an elevator with this person, we, we had to go default and go with the weather. weather so like, yeah. Let's try to avoid that. Yeah. But a normal person would not care. They would just say anything. It wouldn't be like, they wouldn't have an Excel spreadsheet in their head, uh, tracking the topics of their 45 second interactions. So. Yeah. That's actually a good point. I find, I find that, um, it's very easy for me to feel close. Uh, immediately to feel a deep attachment immediately to someone if I sense that they have a um a, a, a very pessimistic view not of not of like current events I think that that uh, that does not appeal to me but I'm just saying like a, a pessimistic view of being a of, of, of being alive yeah yeah <laughs> if if and if we could start off if the first words we utter to each other are uh, oh man life is terrible isn't it yeah, you know, just even like even we have it good, and it's still uh, still a real effort to get through the day. Immediately, I will I will become I will become enamored of this person. Yeah, I try to find. I think like the I don't have a ton of friends, but the few friends I have, I would describe them as extremely nice people who hate everything. Okay, that would be sort of what I'm going with. Like yeah. like. At the core, they're the greatest people ever, but they'll complain about everything. And that's, I think, how I kind of try to go through life. That's, yeah, I think that's fine. I, I guess it depends. I mean, for me, it depends what we're complaining about. Cause again, at a certain point, and of course, you, uh, you've done, you do considerable amount of writing for the internet and have for some time. Right? And I think that, uh, one finds in, an, in a, um, in an internet comment section, for example, um, you find people who are sometimes complaining about uh, they say uh, it, 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 here's the equation it's it's as though one were to put his or her hand on a hot stove and then instead of removing the hand to complain about how hot the stove top is yeah you know what I mean I said well don't don't touch the stove then and then yeah. you're like all right but then put the hand back on the stove you're like this is so hot why is this so hot it's not my favorite it's not my favorite that this is hot we do get, I would say, on NBC, which is, you know, the, the most mainstream of audiences. Is that hardballtalk.com? That is hardballtalk.com. Okay. And a, a very large percentage of the first one or two comments that are posted on each uh, article we write 
essentially boiled down to either who cares or yeah. you guys already wrote about this. Yeah. Which is sort of, I think, what you're talking about, which is, yeah, you didn't have to click on it. <laughs> you certainly didn't have to put your login information and leave a comment. Yeah. And just in general, you didn't even really have to go to the website. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Could have had a big lunch to, and taken a nap instead. Yeah, you didn't even, I mean, if we're being technical, you didn't have to open your computer. You didn't have to open your laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. It's, uh, and of course, you know, well, at least I'm guessing the reason that you, uh, that you didn't have, that you wrote about it when maybe it seemed like you didn't have to write about it, or the reason you wrote about it again when you already wrote about it one time before is because you gotta, you gotta make that content, Aaron Gleeman. Yeah. Uh, if I don't write about it, I will, uh, I will get an email. Yeah. How, you're not, how come you're not writing about it? The alternative, yeah, maybe you explain to these people, the alternative is that, is that, uh, is that you get fired. Yeah, the alternative is then I become, you know, you, not you, but the person leaving the comment, and then I'm, somebody else is writing the, the articles that I don't care about, and then I'm leaving comments about. You got to one side or the other. Yeah, so I'll take my side over that, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, uh, your estate, this estate that you've purchased yeah. in the middle of, uh, in the middle of, uh, Minneapolis wouldn't be yeah. possible if you didn't have that big hardball talk money. Yeah. Well, I mean, bloggers are famous for just having incredible wealth. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing people say about bloggers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people are saying about bloggers these days. Yeah. Go on to any blog. People are blogging about how much they're making is first and foremost. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They do. That's the one they like to brag about it. But I think at some point when your entire profession or industry is just swimming in money, <laughs> it's hard not to, not to brag about it. Yeah. So you tour, so you tour your ACL. We talked about that. What are your, uh, what are some of your great failures as of late? Hmm. Um, well, just the, you know, not, not getting back on the, uh, exercise weight loss bandwagon immediately, letting that, you know, kind of fall apart for too many months. That's yeah. a, that's a pretty big failure. So sort of just a, that's kind of, it's not like, it was not like one particular event. It's just kind of like a, uh, like a lo- like a low grade level of disappointment in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. There. I don't know. Besides that, because uh, yeah. you had told the last one of the one of the recent times you were in, told this story, I believe, in which you drove for miles on a flat tire. Yeah, not even a flat tire, no tire. Oh, you had no tire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess technically initially it was flat, but then it it stripped off the. Burn, you burned the tire off of the yeah. wheel. Yeah. Do you still have that car? Uh, I do still have the car. I moved, though, uh, to near the scene of the where the tire became flat. And so now, if that happens again, I have uh, mere blocks to drive instead of miles. Yeah. Is that, so do you have a Honda Fit? Is that right? Yeah, I do have a, a Honda Fit. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember that because I purchased a Nissan Versa Note. Um, and actually... My wife and I have some friends. They park very close to us. They have a black Honda Fit, and I we have a black Nissan Versa Note. And we, uh, both of us, on multiple occasions, have um, gotten into each other's cars uh, without realizing that we were in the others. I had a, uh, I like to frequent uh, Chinese takeout restaurants. That's mm-hmm. my, you know, the two things... You could describe me. I write about baseball and I eat Chinese food. I think would be pretty. How safe. many times per week do you think you have Chinese food? 
Well, it's limited. I used to, when I was a, uh, a totally single man, it would be uh, three, four. Now I have to consult with someone uh, about dinner, and she's oh, not yeah, a consultant. Huh? Yeah, consult or be told, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to phrase that. You got a decider? You got to spend yeah. some time with a decider? And so it, it initially, uh, you know, a few months, she would just go along with it and eat a lot of Chinese food. And then we got to the point where Sunday nights we would eat Chinese food. And that was my one time a week. It was like a tradition that we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, you know, I'd say uh, half the Sundays somehow uh, that gets thrown thrown aside. Wow. Uh, but the reason I brought this up is uh, a place I used to go to when I lived uh, in the suburbs. Uh, I would drive up in my Honda Fit and the <laughs> the, I don't know, six-year-old son of the uh, people who own the Chinese restaurant who was just sitting in there would get incredibly excited and come run and meet me at the door uh, because it turned out his father also had a gray Honda Fit mm. uh, and would like either go do deliveries or go somewhere. And there was no amount of uh, explaining or convincing that would get him to the child to figure out that, yeah, twice a week I'm going to drive up here and I'm not, it's not your dad. You don't have to get that excited. Just, well, that's uh, really, that's a pure form of disappointment that you're facilitating yes. in that case. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, some fat white guy trying to get some sweet and sour chicken, basically. It's, yeah, that's it's what's happening. Nothing. Yeah. Wow. And you really, and it was, uh, it sounds like it was ongoing. Yeah. That, that's, I, I mean, that's, uh, that's why I had to move just because of that. I Largest part of the reason. Let me, let me, let's revisit your choice to, as a young man, mm-hmm. to move to to per- you bought in the suburbs, is that right? Correct. You yeah. bought a tennis. What was the what was the thought process that led to that decision? Well, number one was I have to get out of my mother's house. Okay. And so I was like, uh, I dropped out of college. Yes, you did. And then I spent the summer living at my mom's house. And then at the end of that summer, I said, Yeah, this is uh, this is enough of that. Would you just remind the listener, sorry, uh, how many times you applied to write for and were rejected from the the school newspaper at University of Minnesota? Uh, Nine times. Nine times. Yeah. But only over four years. So we're only, you know, two point something per year. So it's not, uh, it's not, you know, that it's enough to crush your soul, but not nothing beyond that. Yeah. Uh, And so I thought, well, I don't want to be a college dropout who also lives at home with his, with his mom. Uh, so I decided to move out and then everyone in my family told me, uh, you know, cause a, normally a 22 or 23 year old person moving out on their own for the first time would, would naturally get an apartment. Yeah. Get an apartment. Go, go to Dinky Town. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and live in Dinky Town. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Would they tell you about equity though? You're talking about equity? Yeah. It, it's such a waste. You're just throwing away your money and all this stuff. And then I don't know, uh, then they also told me you don't want to actually buy a house because then you have to do yard work and maintenance and all that stuff, which is true because I'm very lazy as we discussed. So I ended up getting a uh, a townhouse and then – But within walking distance of how many things? Uh, Well, I mean nothing really. It, yeah. they, there was there was one sports bar that was probably uh, four blocks away and a, a very small little strip mall that had like a gas station and then – that's it. You, you got to get in your car for anything else. But no, and also not like not like a not like a beautiful walk to get over there, right? Uh, no. no, there was no no real beauty to be found. Because uh, you because yeah. you walk around like a, the city there, and there's um, there's a lot to appeal to your eye. Small lots, 
business like storefronts, that kind of thing. You're walking, you're walking narrower streets, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then, so I lived there for eight years, and then I decided, well, now, now that I'm in my thirties, mm-hmm. uh, now it's time to to get an apartment. Now it's time to throw away some of that money. Smart. So and then you did. Yeah, really smart. So you're renting now. I am renting. I'm renting while also still owning the townhouse. Oh, do you rent it out? I do, yes. How, what is that like? That seems to that seems like it would cause some stress. Uh, yeah. Although going back to my laziness, uh, I'd rather throw money at something than deal with it yeah. a lot of the times. So I've I've hired a middle uh, management person or entity to basically deal with the tenants. Uh, so all I do is write checks to fix stuff and cash checks from them. So you got like a property manager? Yeah, sort of, which is a a, a tremendous waste of money. But, right. You know. Most of the stuff you could do your own, you'd say? Oh, uh, 95% of the stuff. And also there's no real benefit because if there's something that needs fixing, they just contact the company. The company then just emails me and says, do you want to hire someone to fix this or do you want us to take care of it? And I say, yeah, you can take care of it. So it's basically... It's literally just uh, one one stop in the middle for an email that could have just gone to me. Right, and then you could have called some. You could have a guy. Yeah. You could have a handyman. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who who make comfortable living working as a handyman for property owners. Yeah, or uh, for the amount I pay, you know, over the course of 12 months for this management company to basically just field emails, I could probably have a a personal handyman just work on that property. Like I could have him on retainer. It could be your guy. It'd be like having a personal chef. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. There you go. Maybe he'll he'll make you a big lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and then you take a nap. He better. No, if you say so. I was ta- I was talking with a friend earlier who um uh she works from home but she also has a uh she's got two kids and one of the kids stays home. She's got a nanny for the kid, which sounds so great to me. I have neither. I don't have a child, which is why it is one of the big reasons why I don't have a nanny too. But uh, it sounds like the difference between having a nanny and not having a nanny is pretty big. Yeah, the, the, I don't. That's weird though. Like I get because you couldn't, you know, you'd become so distracted or just outright not be able to work if you were working from home and you had kids. But it seems like an uh, odd. I don't know. I think I would feel self-conscious about that. Like I'm sitting in another room while a nanny is taking care of my kids. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I also do not have children. So what am get, I, I? Hey, get over it, Gleeman. Yeah. I have a cat now. Okay. Very exciting. How long you had that? A uh, year and a half. What's your cat's name? Uh, Beatrix. But Ooh. the thing about cats, they don't know their name. There's no. Yeah. Yeah, I've been accused of being anti-cat, but that I think is pretty close to just a statement of fact that they don't know their names. I think that seems clear. Or if they do, they ignore it 100% of the time. Yeah, that's po- yeah, that's possible because they, they ignore uh, a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of almost anything related to a cat can be explained by the fact that they just don't care. Yeah, they don't seem to. Is your cat? Would you say your cat's healthy? Uh, yeah, kind of lives the same lifestyle I do at this point. Okay. Uh, kind of just. Takes naps near my laptop, gets up, has a big lunch with me, takes another nap basically. And what uh, where does Beatrix sleep when you when you sleep when you're in bed at night? Uh, on my girlfriend's feet basically. Okay. 
but the, th- the other thing about cats that's uh, wonderful is they wake up, or at least this cat wakes up about 4:30 a.m. every morning, mm-hmm. just wide awake, ready to ready to party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, what does she want? Just wants somebody to be awake, and uh, I don't even know what really. I mean, because if you play with her for more than like eight consecutive minutes, she falls asleep. Cause and will she? Have- so at 4:30 in the morning, what is she walking on your head? Yeah, it's a lot of screaming. It is the world's loudest cat. I was I was told that cats uh, tended to be pretty quiet and a little standoffish and by themselves a lot. The the opposite has proven true. With this cat, you got a yeah. noisy cat. It just uh, screams. I'm I'm shocked. You said it was screaming, meowing. Yeah, I mean it's it's beyond that. It's, it's a vocal cat. Yeah, very vocal cat. Like it'll just like talk. Uh, as it walks around the apartment, just you know, just casual mm-hmm. conversation tone, yeah. just announcing its presence in every room that it enters. It's a yeah. I went to. Uh, do you know Robert J. Bauman? I do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You've met him before, yeah? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's good. I was visiting him when he he lives in Santa Barbara now, but I was visiting him in Milwaukee when he lived there, and he and his lady friend, now wife, had a cat, two cats, and uh, I was sleeping on their couch. And let's see. Sleeping on the couch and there was like a, a coffee table right there. I'd put some pens. I'd put some pens on the coffee table. So the first time I was there, so it was a very similar arrangement both times. I, I first time I was there, I, w- I woke at uh, like five. I'd say roughly five in the morning. There was like a noise. I faintly heard, kind of uh, woke me up. And then I looked, and the cat was sitting on the coffee table, just looking at me. Yeah. And then also. Uh, swatting my pens off of the table. Yeah. And then my phone. My phone was. I woke up just in time to see her swatting my phone onto the ground. And just looking at me though, like, uh, what are you gonna, you know, as if to say, what are you going to do about it? The and answer not- was. The answer was merely, it seems, to pick up yeah. the pens and the phone. That was my yeah. my major response. That was my big yeah. response. Yeah. Uh, we. Uh- the cat basically has run of the house, but we try to keep it off like the kitchen counter, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and so what it'll do then at like, uh, if we're watching TV in the living room, it'll, you know, 11 o'clock, totally dark in the apartment. It will just go hop up on the kitchen counter and just stare at us for 45 minutes. As if to say like, Look at yeah, the- during the day, you guys yell at me, but now you don't have enough energy to get off the couch and yell at me. So I'm just going to stand there and stare at you. Yeah. Well, I didn't say... I- the second part of the story is I, I stayed again at Bauman's house, and uh, I woke up. <laughs> I woke up, or was awoken at roughly. I would. It was very. It was the darkest night. Darkest part of night. Maybe 3 a.m. What do you think is the darkest part of night? The deepest. Yeah. Part three, of night. Three. I'll say from 3 to 4 a.m. 3 to 4. It's dark. It's, it's a real deep part of night. I woke and opened my eyes. I was laying right on my back. And I looked up and I was staring into the cat's eyes. The cat was resting. The cat was yeah. sitting, um, very com- in a very composed fashion, just on my chest, looking down at me. And uh, that's intimidating. That's a power move. Yeah. Cat, not unlike what you're suggesting. This little bit of a power move sitting on the on the counter there. Yeah, they uh, a lot of power moves. A lot of uh, this particular cat will chew through any cord that is left out, essentially. iPhone cords, laptop cables, anything, basically. Headphones. Could uh, be so dangerous. Could be fatal. Yeah, although I stopped worrying about that after, like, the thousandth one because I was like, well, 
you know, it's she's immune. But, <laughs> but luckily, that bloggers do make that much money because I would say yeah, twenty to thirty percent of my weekly page or uh, of my monthly pay goes to just buying new headphones, new MacBook cords. Anything that. that's out, she's, she's going to chew. Yeah, just just anything. Yeah, it's, uh, it's wonderful. And you're dealing with that. Yeah, I'm dealing with that. Do you feel like uh, Do you feel like you'll ever be a father? Or are you going to be a pet owner instead? No, I think uh, you know, based on how I talk about this cat, I think it would be best not to have you an actual human child go around reproducing. Yeah, I can't imagine that. No, that seems. Oof, that's the. Yeah, that's hard. Okay, let's uh, let me ask you this: How are we doing on? Yeah, okay. Have you seen any uh, um, top-rate comedy shows of late? Because I know that's a that's a, um, a pleasure. You derive some pleasure from that. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I haven't. I went. Uh, I saw John Mulaney for like the second or third time. He was very good. Was that what, what material was he doing? The material from. Was he doing the, the material from Comeback Kid? Yes, from the is that the new that's the new Netflix Netflix special exactly right? yeah yeah and so I saw we saw him before that came out but I I had also seen him like maybe a year earlier and so he was doing some like his closing ten minute chunk what I had already heard a year before but mm-hmm. I would say the majority of the previous forty five minutes was all new and then I saw the Netflix special a few months later and it, he had gotten rid of the old closer and kind of moved things around and it was basically the show I had seen. But yeah, he's, uh, he's great. I mean, that's not like, uh, that's not much of a hot take to say John Mulaney's really funny, but. Oh, I, I really like that. I found that, uh, I mean, there's some cheating that goes along with it, right? Because I think he must be, uh, precisely, or oh, he's very similar to my age. I know that. And so many of the references are references that I understand intimately or, you know, uh, you know, which I imagine if you're uh, older, much older or much younger, it wouldn't have the same sort of appeal. I'm sure the show overall would still be quite funny, but you, you feel as though someone is articulating, you know, like the, his back to the future bit. Yeah. That was right. Uh, it was right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I uh that was also my wheels. We came home from that and uh I learned that my girlfriend had never seen any of the Back to the Futures. Hmm. So then we watched that. Although now I saw a tweet the other day, can't remember who, but a comedian who basically said his joke was that the first 6 months of dating is basically uh, a guy just repeatedly saying to a woman, "You've never seen that movie, really?" And so then I felt bad because uh I've done that a lot. You feel like someone had uh, someone had had a what 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 do you think is the is your feeling of shame there? Because so, you because you you apparently didn't have any problem doing it when you were actually asking her. Oh, you didn't see that movie? Yeah, I think it's the thought of like oh, uh, probably uh, every woman, including my girlfriend, has probably experienced this exact same thing from every guy. Yeah, which is that somehow uh, just because. I guess men must place uh, more importance on seeing movies or at least a specific type of movie uh, that we get like shocked and outraged that they haven't seen it and then force them to sit through uh, three Back to the Futures and the third one, terrible. So I don't even know why I made her watch that. But. What what are, what, are, what are some other films do you think that, that fit in that might be uh, 
part of that same thing. Uh, Die Hard, I made her watch. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I've actually never seen Die Hard. I mean... Although with the passing uh, of now of Alan Rickman, I think I right. might be more inclined to. She uh, took us three nights to watch Die Hard. She fell asleep twice. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. A lot of uh, Eddie Murphy movies I showed her. Trading, mm-hmm. uh, Trading places. places. And also Beverly Hills Cop. Do you think this is kind of like a dude's canon? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, I guess, but it's like, and the other, the other thing is if you haven't seen those movies yourself for a while, mm-hmm. there, there's great risk to turning it on and then 15 minutes later looking at the other person and being like, yeah, this was a mistake. I was 11, <laughs> I was 11 when I saw that. <laughs> I have no, I, I had no idea this was not good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, uh, we, we, uh, we binge watch a lot of shows and for months I was saying, the next one we have to watch is Larry Sanders. Yeah. I recall being amazing. And I don't even think I was a kid. Like, I was probably at least a teenager when I watched it. Maybe. Also, I think available for free by way of, whatever, what is that orange video service? Crackle? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, about three weeks ago, we finished whatever we had just been watching. And I said, let's watch Larry Sanders. It's a great show. There's, you know, many seasons of it to get through. Uh, Two episodes in, no laughs, a lot of just very late 80s, early 90s references that I barely got. And, like, I don't know. I'm sure it gets better because, I mean, it wasn't, like, 50 years ago. But we we stopped, and I was like, I'm not going to force you to watch, you know, another 60 of these because it just doesn't it doesn't seem to hold up like I thought it did. Right. Oh, it's very sad. Yeah, well, comedy uh... – Comedy doesn't always age particularly well, right? That's true. Although, like, I will still watch, like, if I'm flipping channels and there's a Seinfeld on, I will always watch that. But I wonder if that's just so ingrained in me that I can't even recognize the faults of that at this point. You know, it's hard to separate yourself from it. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to view it objectively, Aaron Gleeman. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, oh, what's going on? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of uh, fascinating you know, things I could. No, I don't need to fascinate. But what do you? Got? What's your work schedule now? You got? Are you Monday through Friday? I am Monday through Friday. Are you done uh, for the day? What do you have to do? Tell Calcaterra I'm going to take an hour off. Hour off. Yeah. This is uh, instead of my big lunch. I'm talking to you. Oh, okay. So. Now, do you think? Do you feel like this counts as a, a sort of promotional work for for Hardball Talk? It could, although I don't know that my. Uh, my bosses are that – I don't know. They seem to not place a lot of uh, importance on that type of thing because, like, I'll do, like, a lot of local radio here in Minnesota and I have my own podcast and all that stuff. And I always, you know, say I'm from NBC and all that and they don't really seem to care that much. And what are people uh, – um, what are people asking you when you when you go on the air in Minneapolis? They basically say, why don't the twins do anything ever? Um, why, I don't know. That's, why, uh, why don't they do anything ever? Cause they're the twins. That's, that's what they do. They, uh, they spent their $12 million right away on a Korean first baseman. Oh and, yeah. And then that was it. Oh. That's how much they had and then they did it. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, I read the Zips, uh, post that you wrote. Oh yeah. I looked, what? Through, I looked through the numbers. We on my on my podcast, which mm-hmm. is called Gleeman and the Geek. Yeah, sure. Yeah, say that. Say Gleeman and the Geek. Uh, last week's episode, 
there was so little. I mean, we're like on month two of having zero to talk about in terms of transactions. So we basically just took the Zips projections and devoted an hour to talking about the hitters. And then I think for this week's episode, we're just going to do the same thing for the pitchers. Wow. Uh, so yeah, we were, uh, we were looking at your, your, uh, your website a lot. Looking right at it, huh? Yeah, so I hope you got some sort of commission from that or something. I don't know if it works like that where we are. Okay. Well, there were some uh, there were some encouraging signs for the Twins, right? Yeah, the the hitting projections are not. I mean, they're not amazing, but they're not bad. It's they basically could have sort of a seven or eight above average hitters in the lineup, which is, I don't know, it's pretty good to me. And then if Miguel Sano is really good, yeah, that could, uh, that could be a very good lineup. The pitching. Not good. How did they acquire Wilfredo Tovar? Uh, minor league signing. That's surprising to me. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be at AAA, but the they well they have better shortstop slash middle infield depth now than they had for like the past fifteen years. But in general, if you are a decent middle infielder who starts the year at AA or AAA for the Twins, you're probably going to be in the majors at some point. Although now. They have uh, Eduardo Escobar, who's pretty decent shortstop, and then Dozier at second base. So he might, uh, your guy might be stuck at in Rochester for most of the season. Yeah, and, and a player who's employed by uh, Minnesota that I like quite a bit is Max Kepler. Yes, I do too. He's exciting. What's he? Is he going to? He's a. Um, he's probably going to be a corner outfielder, right? Yeah, he. Uh, I think he'll begin the year at AAA, and then my hope is that by you know. June, let's say he's uh, forcing them to call him up because the twins are tend to be very slow with that type of thing. But yeah, he uh, for for because he signed he signed the same time that they signed Miguel Sano, and Sano got three point something million, and I think Kepler got maybe eight hundred thousand or something. But he's from Germany, and I think he was at the time the highest signing bonus ever for a European born player. That sounds right, uh, and so. He, Sano took all the headlines because Sano would hit extremely well and Kepler was 16 when he signed and Kepler got injured a lot and his performances were just kind of, you know, you would hit 260 with not much power. But everyone kept saying he's 6'4 and he runs well and he's got a great arm and if he can put it together, he can be really great. And then last year he won the double A MVP award and like you look at his, his numbers and they're almost perfect. Like, more walks than strikeouts. He stole 20 bases at a good clip. He probably will be a right fielder, but he played some center field, all this stuff. Hit 320. So yeah, I'm, uh. And it was I only, think, it was only 20, 22 with double A, which is, which is fine. Right. I yeah. think if the Twins hadn't, uh, through all that losing and rebuilding and high draft picks and stuff, if they hadn't collected, you know, Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, all kinds of top prospects that, Kepler would be a much, much bigger deal because I think he's probably going to be a consensus probably top 25 or top 40 prospect across baseball. So, yeah, he would be the number one guy for a lot of teams. I'm excited about him. Yeah, I think, uh I mean, who knows when they'll call him up. But it could be, well, now they're trying to know in right field. So it might throw a monkey wrench into that a little bit. So who's in the who's in the outfield then? you got Sano, Buxton? Uh I think Rosario, Eddie Rosario, who's also only 24. Four, I think, yeah. will be in left field. But Sano uh, is 270 pounds and has never played the outfield before. Yeah. 
So it could be. Uh, He's a big man. Yeah, it could be a little iffy. Yeah. And then Joey Mauer. Where's Joey Mauer these days? Joe Mauer is uh, at first base, uh, hitting kind of like uh, Scott Hatterberg at this point. Right. He's a, a very, very, very rich man, Scott Hatterberg, which is not a compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fan base here has completely turned against him. Yeah, that was, yeah. They just hate him. What do you, uh, what sort of meaning do you think you're, you're deriving from your twins? Uh, allegiances at this point. Because uh, you first, so you record Gleeman and the Geek with your friend uh, John. Uh, John, yeah. yeah. And 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 that seems to be something that's important to you. You derive pleasure from that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm sure you would agree having this podcast. Uh, it is fun, and then during the season, during the off season, it's just a podcast mm-hmm. that we record usually at a bar somewhere. Uh, and then during the season, they. We actually go on the the main sports talk radio station. And so it's fun uh, as someone who grew up listening to a lot of talk radio. It's fun to actually have a radio show, even though, you know, they put us on Sunday at 4 o'clock. So it's not quite uh, peak traffic. But That's your Chinese food day. That's true. That's Usually I, I do my radio show. You, you, you're coming off that. You feel like a superstar. You were in a radio studio for a couple hours, and then you pick up some Chinese food on the way home. That's really? a that's a pretty good sequence of events. Yeah, that's I mean that is that is Pete Gleeman. It's not gonna get any- <laughs> You know, I was thinking maybe you should move your Chinese food night to Monday or Tuesday. Those are harder nights. And if you had the prospect of Chinese food to buoy you up, <laughs> yeah. buoy your spirits, then maybe maybe that would be ideal, especially if, if you feel like your Sunday Chinese food days are being thwarted uh, by your girlfriend's plans. Here is, I think, uh, the true sign of uh, the state of my relationship is that anytime my girlfriend goes out for the night without me, you know, mm-hmm. hang out with her friends or whatever, she will uh, text me 45 minutes in and say, "Did you get Did you get the Chinese food yet?" Yeah, because she just knows, you know, when the cat's away, the mouse will eat sweet and sour chicken. That's the, that old saying. Yeah. What is your uh... What's your order typically? Well, it varies, but I've been lately I've been getting a lot of garlic chicken, okay. a lot of sweet and sour chicken, yeah, uh, Hunan chicken occasionally. I basically just li- like any chicken with a sauce over rice is my. Uh, That's your top jam. Yeah, go to. Okay, listen, I uh, I might have told you this, but I have to bring my car in to uh, to get some um, um, to get some maintenance. Yeah, what's uh, what's have you been driving on three wheels? What's wrong with your car? No, 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 no. See, this is something. Uh, uh, you know, we bought this car last year, and uh, just trying to make sure, just trying to. This, it's a preventative measure. Do you see, Aaron? Oh, you're being proactive. Yeah, proactive. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think it needs an oil change, and I don't want the engine to seize up on the highway. Mm-hmm. Talk about embarrassing, right? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I guess uh, it. I think if you. Uh, if you have it serviced periodically, then it actually will help the life of the car. I mean, you really, uh, we started talking about this, started this podcast talking about adulthood and this is really, you've really become a, yeah. a person. You've become really a real become a, person. Yeah. Con- hey, congratulations, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I didn't even tell you about the real estate search. Ooh. Gleeman. Ooh. Yeah. Well, maybe next time. That's a yeah. teaser. 
Ooh, that's I'm gonna hold you to that. I'll be able to lead you to the whole narrative from the search to the purchase. There's no purchase yet. Just searching now. But maybe there will be by the time there is the next time. Maybe there will will have been a purchase. Yeah, I've been utilizing some um, some online search search databases. Well, I mean, let me tell you, if you're looking for a two bedroom townhouse in Minnetonka, Minnesota, okay, I am willing to evict <laughs> my current tenants. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'll need to put you two through a, a background check and a credit check, but assuming that checks out, uh, I would put you at the top of the list. You just have to move to suburban Minnesota. Well, now is this a property I could find? Uh, was Zillow.com? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you do you go, do you like to use Zillow or do you prefer Trulia? Uh, I'm a, I'm a Zillow man myself. You're a Zillow man. Yeah. Always have been. I mentioned this with Dane last time, but um, a pastime that I've just discovered, which I hope I never relent, uh, is when I learn of a friend's address. You know, like especially around the the holidays here, you're sending out Christmas cards and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I will immediately look up their house on uh, Zillow to get an estimate for the worth (laughs) to see how much they spent on it. That's uh, that's classy. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's always more. I'll tell you what. It's always more than I could spend on a house. Do you ever then bring it up like, a, hey, no. good job having that $400,000 property? Well, no. It depends. See, if the friend is good enough, then I could probably just ask them how much they paid roughly. Right. If I'm looking up the property on Zillow, it's because we don't have the sort of relationship where I could do that. See, I just, you could start to hold it like you go out for, for beers with somebody – have a couple appetizers, and then when it comes time to split the check, you go, we could get separate checks, or, you know, the guy with the $320,000, you know, home that shows on Zillow could, you know, you could just take the whole thing. Well, you know, I'll take that into account. We're back. Hey, right where we started with those Jewish stereotypes, by the way. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, we're also right where we started. I've got to go pick up my bonobos jeans. <laughs> Good luck with that, too. Thanks. Why well, you stick around for one second, Aaron? But in the meantime, I would like to say thank you for appearing on Fangrass Audio. You're welcome. Anytime, Carson. Okay, that is uh, that is Aaron Gleeman of NBC's HardballTalk.com and uh, and also Gleeman and the Geek, which can be found. Well, you can have access to it, what, at AaronGleeman.com? Sure, or iTunes, whatever. Right. That has been Aaron Gleeman. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangrass Audio.